This is Who Kicked the Corner Flag, an English soccer game show podcast. It's an open goal, and the opportunity is taken by Raheem Sterling. In behind for Salah, and Salah for Mane! It comes in an instant for Liverpool. They're sliding, it's in! Lucas Moura with the hat-trick goal! Spurs are going to the Champions League final! And here's your host, James Rose. Hello, yes, welcome back to... Man, I'm so pumped for this. Welcome back to our regular season outings of Who Kicked the Corner Flag and the start of our third season. So glad to have you with us today. This show, of course, wouldn't be complete without the KC Spurs leader who only eats his eggs over easy, who still loves a good plea bargain to get a light snack, and who felt like Spurs' transfer dealings was like waiting in line for fairground funnel cake. Slow, but worth the wait. It's Jerba Semente. You there, bud? I am here. I am here, James. And as you'll see on uh, Skype, as Boyce pointed out, I do not have a photograph. Uh, I've sold my image rights, so uh, you'll be getting an invoice uh, for about 40, 45 million pounds. Um, I, I can't wait to negotiate with you and uh, 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 f- for all of this to go uh, smoking into the ground. Oh, man. Oh, gosh. We might talk about that here in a little bit. Uh, and his evil arch nemesis is also with us today. Yes, he's the <laughs> evil Emperor Zerg to Buzz Lightyear, the Tony Poulis to Roy Hodgson, and the Sol Campbell to all Spurs supporters. It's the leader of the Casey Gooners, Mr. Boyce Richardson. How are you, bud? You know, it's really nice to be able to have it in a way fixture where we have this conversation and we've actually won. It's nice. <laughs> it's uh, nice. Unlike, unlike the cinders of the Dybala transfer... Oh god! I'm here and I'm happy. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, already here we go. It's already begun. There we go. Uh, I like this. Somebody just opened a beer. Yep, that, <laughs> that, that was me. That's what I take to be able to deal with you, boys. Oh man! Uh, and we have a first-time guest on the show. He's one of the hosts of the Rooster and the Devil podcast, and as a Man United fan, may have some opinions on the 80 million pound signing of Harry Maguire. Please welcome Jimmy Khan. How are you, bud? Uh, I'm doing well, boys. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, I'm I'm prepared for this mentally. Um, I deal with a lot of uh, you know, Spurs fans, you know, on the podcast, obviously, and <laughs> I also have an obnoxious Arsenal fan uh, for a friend. So um, it should be good. Does he also win all the time? Oh my god! Oh my god! He, <laughs> he, uh, he wins as often as Arsenal has. Boom! Uh, what? My He's one to know, my friends. One to know. Well, let's kick this game off with a round of Question of the Match, the contest where each person gets a statistical question from the most significant weekend fixtures. Three points on offer for a correct answer, and here are this week's categories. Frankie gets roasted. The Citizens Test VAR. Spurs Sink Villa. So those are our three categories. And Jimmy, as our guest, you're going to get to go first. Uh, so to start off with, go ahead and pick one of those three categories for us. Well, uh, uh, I think I'm going to like Frankie Gets Roasted. Frankie Gets Roasted. Good pick. Uh, I Man- like that too. <laughs> <laughs> Man United put four goals past Frank Lampard's Chelsea with amazing second-half assists from Paul Pogba. The final score there was 4-0. All right, Jimmy, here's your question from this one. When was the last time Manchester United scored four unanswered goals against Chelsea? Was it 2001, 1988, or 1965? Uh, I'm going to go with B, because I have no idea, to be honest with you. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I admire your honesty. But unfortunately, no. It is 1965. Unbelievable. But yes, March... (laughs) 
on the good old landed on the moon yet (laughs) (laughs) and chelsea still had no history it was was rare but there um jimmy let's go ahead and get your opinions then as a man united fan go ahead and tell us what you thought of their performance were you expecting such a positive outcome and obviously the 4-0 being a good scoreline uh what do you think Oh, uh, you know, honestly, the first 20 minutes, um, Chelsea really was, you know, on the uh, on the attack for for a lot of that. They, uh, Tammy hit the hit the upright, had a really good shot, and then uh, Emerson also hit that same post in the first half. So, honestly, getting that that first goal, you know, Rashford with the PK, um, you know, gave us a little breathing room. But Chelsea was outplaying us in the first half. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that you know, in the second half, um, we were able to open it up on the counter attack a little bit, and you saw. Um, you know, we saw that the goal created for Martial to go two nothing, and then right right after that, you know, Rashford getting the third. So, um, I'm I'm happy. We obviously the result, um, but it wasn't it wasn't as good as it as the scoreline might indicate um, based on the way we played in the first half. It could have been easily two nothing Chelsea early on. Mm-hmm. Uh, boys, let me ask your opinions. Uh, Chelsea were they just uh, clearly not good, or were there elements of kind of like, huh, this wasn't the result I was somewhat expecting? Well, I mean, I think it's the difference of when you lose a world-class player, right? Like Tammy Abraham hits the post, he hits the crossbar, Hazard scores that goal. And I think as things stand for Chelsea right now, there's just not a dominant scorer on that team. You're looking at William and Pedro, who are 31 and 32 respectively. You know, you got Pulisic on that team, but he wasn't necessarily a dominant force at Dortmund, and he came off the bench today. I I think there are a lot of concerns for this team, but... I think if you're a Chelsea fan as well, you look at this today, there were some positives to take out of the performance. I'm not necessarily willing to say that United are now world beaters. I, I just think that that once Chelsea capitulated, they they kind of fell apart in the second half. And that's a, oh, yeah. that's a problem that you have, I think, when you're a fairly young team is that things go downhill and then things go really, really, really downhill. But I, I think if you're looking at this from the perspective of a Chelsea fan... 1920 is kind of a write-off. I'd be shocked to see this team finish in the top four. I don't think they're good enough. I don't think that they have enough defensively. I don't necessarily really think they have enough offensively either to be able to qualify or to finish in the top four. But I think the other thing is if you're a Chelsea fan right now, and let's say that maybe you spend the 2021 campaign in the nether realm of the Europa League, it's not the worst. They were on a transfer ban this year. They sold Eden Hazard for really good money for a player that was in the last year of his deal, and they're going to turn around and take all of that money and spend approximately a billion dollars next summer transfer window. Sounds about right, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, I, I don't for a single second think that Roman Abramovich is going to turn around after what will probably be a failure this year just purely due to the transfer ban and potentially concerns that Frank Lampard didn't exactly cover himself in glory today, but uh, you know, I, I think if you're a Chelsea fan, you just kind of eat it this year and mm-hmm. recognize that like not a real, lot of really great things are going to happen, and that in the summer transfer window, you're going to buy literally everyone, and uh, that in the 21-22 season, you're going to be just fine because just like Manchester City, you know that's how money works. <laughs> Let's go ahead and move on to our next two categories. And Jared, you're up to pick next. We still have the Citizens Test VAR and Spurs Sink Villa. So which one would you like to choose, my friend? 
Spurs. I figure that might be the case. Tottenham survive an opening day scare by producing three second half goals to take victory uh, over newly promoted Aston Villa. The final score was three to one. All right, Jared, your quiz question for this one. Before Ndombele, who was the last player to score on their Spurs Premier League debut? Was it Deli Alley, Eric Dyer, or Christian Eriksen? Eric Dyer. Oh, my gosh. And I, and that... I believe it was against Everton. Oh, dude. I mean, you got the right answer, but it was actually West Ham. I'm still was it West Ham? Oh, man. I was trying to remember. Damn, dude. That, I think, is the fastest. I feel like giving you six points just for speed. Um, I, I no. agree with you. Six points. Which is something that Eric Dyer doesn't have. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, gosh. They never, never needed it. Oh, gosh. Uh, Jared, uh, give, me a, give me a summary of your emotions. I know I was obviously with you during the... Uh, during the watch, but were you nervous at all uh, going, obviously, 1-0 down into halftime? Did you have the confidence that Spurs were going to actually go ahead and take this win? No. You're a Spurs fan. Of course not. <laughs> <laughs> it was a uh, I just nightmare start, uh, a goal against the run of play, and then just Danny Rose on absolute ice skates. I mean, you have to think, okay, here we go. You know, he was left home to kind of figure out his uh, you know, his future situation and then, you know, kind of makes a mess of it in the back. And uh, with a Christian Eriksen on the bench, you kind of think, okay, we have, uh, uh, you know, Cessignon Los Celso, uh, you know, kind of training, getting into the squad. But you think, you know what, uh, uh, certainly a home match to Villa. These are points that, uh, you know, we say time and time again, right? Uh, good teams win the matches that they are supposed to win. Uh, uh, and then great teams just find a way to scrape by all those possible points, which is, you know, kind of puts Man City far and above everybody else. But I got to say, uh, losing or even a home draw, as we were talking about the watch, uh, is a loss mm-hmm. uh, uh, for this Spurs squad, especially opening the first full season in the new stadium. Uh, I am elated that they figured it out. Um, I was pretty pleased with, uh, you know, possession and all of that, but, uh, uh, you know, kind of running and finishing uh uh belly with a great finish uh, i could watch that all day uh harry uh you know kind of getting one gifted to him kind of fell right to him i told you james i say he doesn't finish that uh we got a problem and then you know uh, a clinical harry can finish to to lock it up at 3-1 um it's important to note that i think uh did all three goals happen after erickson came on I think they did. Yeah, I think they so, really did. Uh, yeah. Oh, yes, they did. So therein lies, you know, kind of our issue, kind of trying to undercut voice here a little bit. Um, it, it is we're really going to see where Lo Celso uh, uh, kind of fits in here, uh, especially with the Wantaway Christian Eriksen. Um, I've stayed away from kind of the speculation on why he didn't start and all of that. <sighs> Who knows? Who cares? Uh, he came in, he contributed, and we won the match. But looking forward. A great transfer window, but I really think it was uh, uh, it was a little bit nervy. I was very angry, and then suddenly I was very happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think uh, a a backup to Harry uh, is going to be is going to be you know something we're going to kind of talk about um, uh, between Lucas and Sonny. Uh, but at the end of the day, for a frankly depleted squad with uh, uh, none of our our two newest signings. Uh, with no Delhi uh, due to injury, no Sunny due to suspension, uh, and I, I'll take the three points and just move right along. But mm-hmm. uh, uh, with respect to being convincing, uh, we were flashes of convincing. But I think three-one uh, to look at it objectively is a bit of a generous scoreline for a team that's really trying to 
kind of see where they all mesh. Mm, I agree. Uh, Jimmy, what are our thoughts on Aston Villa? They spent a significant sum of money in the transfer window. Are we going to see kind of flashes of Wolves here or maybe more of a Fulham? What do we think on that? Oh, to me, I I think more Fulham. And I don't think, I, I think that they'll finish better than Fulham, but they'll still be in the bottom three. But when you're talking about, you know, incorporating 12 new players um, into a squad that, you know, didn't, you know, didn't run away in the championship. They had to win it through the playoff. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they're going to struggle a little bit. I was actually surprised, you know, how well they played the first hour against Spurs. Um, uh, I, I personally really like McGinn, um, mostly because anything that Sir Alex Ferguson says, um, and, and he talked all summer about how he wanted United to sign McGinn. Um, he, I thought he played really well. Um, but I was, I was honestly surprised to see, you know, Villa play as well as they did for as long as they did. But I can't see them staying in the top three, even after all that money. I think that there's some squads that have played together. You, you talk about Wolves, you know, they did it the year before they came up from sure. the championship. They mm-hmm. put those players together and and they were, um, you know, tried and tre- uh, tried and tested before they got to the Premier League and you saw the, the benefits of that. But mm-hmm. I, I, I can't for the life of me see Villa staying up um, this mm-hmm. season. And that's just my guess, so to speak. But. Yeah, and like you said, I guess, uh, I guess we'll see what happens. Let's go ahead and move on to our last category in this section, which is the Citizens Test VAR. And Boyce, this one is uh, is for you. So let me give you the intro real quick. Man City scored five goals against West Ham that saw VAR stretch its new Premier League muscles. Final score was 5-0. All right, Boyce, question for you. What? Uh, excuse me. Which team did Man City beat 5-0 back in October of last year? Was it Burnley, Leicester, or Southampton? Oh, man, I have absolutely no idea. Uh, Love it. Burnley. It was Burnley. Man, what a good guess. Boyce's form is back. He's ready to go. He's already challenging Jared. This contest is going to be great. But, yes, it was Burnley, believe it or not, uh, way back in October. And I believe they had other 5-0 wins too, but uh, who's got time to list all those? Um Boys, let's talk about Manchester City. They're up and running. They got their five goals. Are they going to convincingly win the Premier League, or is Liverpool going to really give them a push this time around? They're going to win the Premier League by six or seven points. Ooh, I, okay. I legitimately don't think it's going to be close. I, you know, you look at the off season, you look at the summer transfer window, and you look what City did. And you know, City had about two or three positions of need, and they went out and spent a hundred million pounds to be able to resolve those. They got Rodri, who's going to step in for Fernandinho. That was their weak spot last campaign. When Fernandinho got injured, they lost three out of four, I think, in December. It was a problem for them. But at this point, they don't they don't have that problem anymore. They still have Fernandinho on their roster. They have Rodri. You know, Liverpool stood still. They have three players that featured in either the Copa America or Afcon over the summer who are coming back and are now being expected to have gone from the eighteen nineteen Premier League season straight into those two tournaments, straight into the nineteen twenty season. Mm. You lost Allison for six to eight weeks, which even though Adrian's actually a pretty decent goalkeeper, that's going to cost them. Liverpool are going to drop points this year because I think you look at it in comparison, Arsenal and Tottenham got better. I, I think there are, it's inarguable that both of those squads got better. I think there are arguments about what happened with United and Chelsea in terms of where they are right now. But I definitely think United looked a much more cohesive squad today and Chelsea looked like a squad that might actually end up you know, below Leicester this year. But <laughs> I, I think... I think when you look at City, it's just inarguable. They eviscerated a team on the road. 
and it wasn't close. And even though, you know, VAR was an issue in this match, it was an issue just purely because VAR is always an issue, but it wasn't an issue in terms of what the resolution of the match was. This was a blowout. And the only reason that VAR is an issue is that it could have been a worse blowout. It, it, City are painstakingly good, and I think if there's any critique of the EPL sort of generally right now, it's that the top two have distinguished themselves to a level where the first match on Friday and the first match on Saturday were boring, and that you know it wasn't befitting of the quality of the league. And I, I you know, I think there are legitimate questions as to whether or not Arsenal, Spurs, Chelsea. And United have the ability to go to places like Anfield or go to places like the Eddie had and actually even challenge those teams. I mean, we'll, we'll see we'll see next weekend about whether or not Tottenham are capable of mounting a sufficient competition for City on the road. Mm-hmm. But I just I don't see it. I, City are they were by far and away the most impressive team. Liverpool looked really shaky at the back against a team that really doesn't have that much offensive quality in Norwich. And they were at home. And City just came out and absolutely blew a West Ham team that I think a lot of people thought with their center forward transfers and some of their business over the summer were actually going to be a little bit better and were going to challenge. And they made them look like a championship-level team. And (laughs) I'm not one here to deal with Jose Mourinho and his nonsense on a day-to-day basis, but he said that City's B squad could challenge for the title, and I think... (laughs) I saw that. He's not not wrong. Yeah. there's so much quality on that team, so much depth, so much of everything. And like I said, Fernandinho was the issue last year, and he's no longer an issue now that they have Rodri. And I have fears as an Arsenal fan that this is the year that Pep finally does it, that this is the year that City don't lose a match. Mm-hmm. Jimmy, were you going to say something? No, I was just, I mean, he's absolutely right. Like, you talk about a team that, that's so talented that they can lose a player of. Uh, Leroy Sané's quality and not skip a beat, you know. They didn't even start Aguero. Um, they didn't start Bernardo Silva, who had a fantastic campaign last year. And, you know, Sterling still goes for three goals. It's it's unreal. Um, they, they are a machine, right? I mean, they don't have a lot of weaknesses. You can point to some of, um, you know, maybe their center backs as far as defensive ability. Um, but even so, like, they're, they're just top to bottom operating so well together. And, and Rodri look, looked fantastic. He he looked like he'd been playing with that team for you know the last two seasons. So mm-hmm. yeah. I, I think that I'd, I'd be surprised if there's any team within ten points. Honestly, it could be like it was a couple seasons ago where United was what they finished nineteen or twenty points behind City um, uh, as a second place team. So it could be it could be ugly this season. I think you're right. Yeah, Jared, we're gonna my... ride right past this VAR. I was literally about to ask you about that. Was my next thing, Jared? <laughs> oh I my. Want you... <laughs> God. Jared, I want you to talk about VAR, uh, its role in this game against City, but more importantly, just moving forward. I mean, they said that it was going to fix clear and obvious mistakes, but with Sterling's goal that was ruled out for offside, is that maybe a little bit wrong? <laughs> what do we think there? I Just the whole system. And listen, before Boyce launches in, like I, f- I fully admit Spurs are not in the Champions League final last year without VAR. That is a fact, right? Mm-hmm. We're talking about uh, uh, if the goal is to get correct decisions, then okay. Uh, but, I mean, if you're talking – if that was clear and obvious to anybody, uh, we, we were drawing, like, architectural graphs on the screen <laughs> to determine how <laughs> offsides it was, right? 
Um, more offensive to me is the incursion by Declan Rice. Uh, I that is we are now invading the province of custom versus rules, and this is something that it is frustrating because I wish somebody would just simply articulate it and say, you know what, we're no longer doing that. Baseball did it with the phantom touch at second base to turn a double play, right? For time immemorial, if a second baseman or a shortstop wanted to get the hell out of the way and not have his leg broken by a runner, you basically got the out and you ran, you hit to first. You introduce replay, okay, you got to touch the bag. Well, we touch the bag, you got to, you know, you take away knocking down the player. Fine, you're changing the game. Acknowledge that you're changing the game. Don't feed it to me like you're making the game better because you're not. Mm. Uh, this idea that you know encroachment into the space caused a you know uh, I, I understand it's a rule, but let's go back and figure out how many encroachment penalties have been taken back and retaken prior to VAR. And further, let's look at how many times we're going to have penalties come back and be retaken because goalkeepers are off the line, guys. And you're going to see multiple takes at penalties, and then suddenly. Emmerich Aubameyang, who took a miserable penalty in the North London Derby last year, is rewarded and it gets to do it again because yeah. the defender is effectively doing their job and running into the box. No team is innocent of encroachment on a penalty for this in this league. So we're taking away customs like that. It is, it is remarkably frustrating to me, but that's the direction it's going to go. And this is the new game. And the game is no longer crash the penalty and penalties are going to suddenly become by way the NFL where there is such a more, there is a greater advantage uh, on the offense and you're going to see more penalties made. I say right now, I don't know what the percentages are, but it would not surprise me if you saw a 15% increase in the successful penalties taken this season in VAR versus last season. Mm -hmm. That's my prediction. Well, the one that, the one that drives me nuts is I, I played goalie. It's already hard enough to try to save a, a penalty anyway. And I can't even imagine at that level, you know, like 12 yards away. So like the, if the, if they're going to start like doing, you know, uh, retaking penalties, cause the guy was like three inches off the line, like his back foot was three inches off the line. Give me a break. Like it's it's, right. it's, it's nuts. It's craziness. Yeah. And it's it's ruining, bright and line that, enforcement. That ruins the game for me. Yeah. Insane, guys. Well, as you said, Jared, I think VAR is here to stay. So we'll just see how the development of said technology uh, moves along as the season progresses. I don't like it. I don't like it. James, <laughs> have you heard me about this? Uh, I don't maybe like a few it. times. I'm not sure. I don't like change. <laughs> Nothing, I don't like it. All right, guys, let's move on to our next contest, which is another round of the guy's favorite. Yes, it is, it is, of course, Rumor Mill. The rules are the same as before. I'm going to provide a line or quote from a newspaper or online resource. All the guys have to do is tell me if it was actually printed or something that is purely fictional, so something make-believe. Two points for a correct guess. And Jared, sir, you are up first with this one. Paolo Dybala's transfer day failures came down solely to his image rights, owned by a third-party company. Yes. Is that true? You going true? Yes. It is true, believe it or not. Oh, what not. is this? <laughs> what is this? What are you talking about? What, what? is this? This is all very about? fair. Um, it the was. Fix, the fix is in. Oh, <laughs> Here we go. It's already started. Uh, but what yeah, a, every news outlet reported what an that, Arsenal including, fan. including 90 Minute. Um, Jerry, we talked a little bit about this, but these image rights, what is this nonsense? I mean, is this something that could have easily been cleared up? Or, I mean, let's, let's, I, yeah. Oh, God. I would love to be able to answer that. I have no idea. The fact that somebody, that a Maltese firm, 
the purchased the 15 year olds image rights. I mean, we texted about this on the, uh, uh, kick corner flag chat. Like this feels predatory at best. And it's yeah. evidenced by the fact that a giant hurdle was these types of contracts are not recognized in the UK. Why? Because they're garbage. Mm-hmm. So now suddenly, uh, Paulo Dybala is just, I, he's third rail, right? I mean, I can't imagine anybody wanting to negotiate with this, knowing that whatever you come up with, you've got an extra 45 million pounds that's going to be demanded by some th- just third party who is just going to walk into the boardroom. I mean, it is, uh, uh, you know, I don't, I don't knock the kid, you know, for signing the contract, trying to make a little money and all of that. But boy, let me tell you, uh, if, anything uh is going to inhibit his future any more than this well i can fill in i mean there was even rumors of juventus was going to pitch into his weekly wages i heard that too yeah to get him out and sorry saying you know what fine whatever you need so with i think levy was working with it uh, uh but but eventually you just like look no i'm not going to take over half the transfer and then pay it to some third party. No, that's another player. That's another that's another wingback that we desperately need, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and to Boyce's point, to sign in, who would effectively be a backup to Harry Kane, uh, would be, strengthen the the squad immeasurably. However, not for that kind of money. I'm pretty fine with it. Mm-hmm. All right, Boyce, this next one is for you. Mike Dean was reprimanded over his officiating from the weekend for his incorrect conduct over VAR. Oh, man, this feels like a trap. I, I've not heard this. I'm going to say that it's false, even though I know that it, it feels so, so true. It's false. Nice work, bud. You saw my, through my schemes there. Uh, I thought you might fall for it. Um, do you think, though, EPL refs moving forward are going to have a rough road with this technology now that it's in place in terms of like game management, time management, all this fun stuff? Yes. Oh, uh- <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Jared's right. Whoever was yelling that was right. Because I I think that, like, I mean, let's all be honest. Mike Dean is going to have a little bit of a a sexual nature every time he gets to make the VAR symbol and go over (laughs) to the the monitor and make it once again all about him. Because that's what Mike Dean's dream is, is that his, like, unsculpted waste of a white man body is somehow going to be seen as a professional athlete and actually be important. Uh, I like him. <laughs> he's absolutely intolerable. Uh, but yeah, I mean, in the end, I, I think it's just as difficult. I mean, I, I think, you know, you look at the Raheem Sterling situation in the Manchester City game, you know, it, it, it's hard because I think Jared's point is correct, is that you're talking about the spirit of the rules versus the letter of the law. And VAR has been sent here to address the letter of the law. And I I think as of right now, we're all being confronted with the fact that it is difficult to be able to get to the letter of the law for a rule book that's needed updated for a while. And, you know, yeah, the way that the offside rule is written right now, if Raheem Sterling's hand is somehow above and beyond the plane of the defender, it's offside. But... It's not like it gave him an advantage, right. much like to Jared's earlier point that Raheem Sterling's position in the match against Spurs in the Champions League last year didn't give him an advantage. But VAR called it in a way that was precise. And I, I think 
if anything in this campaign, what we're going to end up with in the offseason is a situation where the rule book is finally addressed and people are forced into a position where they're going to have to come down on one side or the other and create a rule book that has a little bit of leeway to it because Raheem Sterling's ring finger didn't give him an advantage on Saturday in terms of scoring a goal. And that needs to be rectified because that goal should stand. Mm-hmm. And somebody needs to figure out what to do. But, uh, you know, the celebrity ref people, Mike Dean's going to eat this year up. He loves it. The idea that he can be the primary contributing factor to how a match ends. I think the only thing that's going to upset that guy is that people might talk about VAR more than they'll talk about him. But at least for his sake, they'll talk about VAR in the context of him. And that's really all he ever wanted. Love it. All right, Jimmy, this last one is for you. Uh, Crystal Palace striker Wilfred Zaha now plans to seek a transfer into the other European leagues uh, with the Premier League window now closed. I know he's upset, but I'm going to say he'll say false. It is false. Yeah, nice work there, bud. It'll get you your uh, two points there. Uh, Wilfred Zaha, as you pinpointed, is probably a little bit upset, but um, how do we see his future panning out? I mean, I mean you guys have a, a, a Gunner fan on here. I know um, our, my Arsenal friends have been saying that it worked out perfect for them, um, that you know they get to come back in January and, and swoop him up um, and play him across from Pepe. So that's that's you know that's the propaganda that I get fed on a daily basis, but I think that I think you'll find him going no. somewhere else in the Premier League. <laughs> I, that's fine, that's fine. I, I don't want to see him there anyway. I, I uh, but I see him going somewhere else in the Premier League. I don't think that he stays at, at Palace. Um, you know, I think that there's too much money that someone's going to throw at Palace for them to hold on to him. Mm-hmm. Um, it just doesn't make financial sense for them if someone's going to come in with you know sixty five, seventy million. Kind of like what they were talking about Everton offering. Um, I think that whether it's January or next summer, uh, he won't be at Palace mm-hmm. um, after 2020. Yes. How old is he? He's almost. He'll be 28 by the January window. Like spending no, 65. No, he's he's, tw- he's 26 right now. Is he? I thought he was older than that. Sorry. No. No. Yeah, I mean. Either way, he's a great player. I'm just kind of curious. I mean, he's had his moments at Man United, back at Palace. I'm just kind of curious, where's his next destination? Is it that big club or is it maybe a you side? Got, yeah. You guys are right. He'll be 27 on November 10th. But the idea of spending £70 million on a 27-year-old winger with no resale value is something that no responsible cash-holding club should do. Great. So Everton's perfect for that. One thousand percent. Let Roger Bennett deal with that nonsense. I want nothing to do with Wolf You be nice to Roger. Friend of the show, Roger Bennett. Love Hi, it. Roger. <laughs> All right, guys, let's move on to our last section, which is, of course, another round of player profile. Um, This will be so much better than our uh, extra time edition that we filmed at the bar because that was just a mess. Uh, Hopefully I've got this all right. But anyway, to remind our listeners how the rules work, it's going to be five different clues to a Premier League player. Each clue will be easier than the last. The first person to shout their name and correctly guess said player wins those two points. But you only get one guess as an incorrect shot will freeze you out. This week's category is titled Newbies. Newbies. This translates to players who make a brand new appearance in the EPL, uh, whether as a transfer or as an academy product. All right, guys, you ready to do this? 
Yep. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Player number one is 22 years of age. Plays for a London club. Is a Frenchman. Jared. Voice. Yes, uh, Jared. Tango Ndombele. That is absolutely correct, sir. Yes, Tango Ndombele uh, will get you those uh, two points. The other clues on this one were, is a midfielder. First name is Tange. Real quick, Jared, please, with his uh, first performance in a regular season game. Uh, well, I mean, he scored, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it. Good no, deal. I, I, <laughs> yes. Yes, I am. I mean, we've been looking for kind of that uh, uh, that that strong holding spot since we uh, lost one of my favorite all-time Spurs players in Musa Dembele. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and it's great. So I only have to, like, vaguely edit my kit. But it... Uh, uh, I'm excited to see where he kind of fits in, especially with Lo Celso, uh, and maybe if Erickson ends up actually staying for the entire season, how they mesh, but very excited. Fingers crossed. We'll see. All right. Player number two was his club's most expensive signing. Boyce. Yes, Boyce. <laughs> Nicola Pepe. It is not. No. That <laughs> I knew he was going to do that. Ballsy. Ballsy. Real ballsy. But that does freeze you out, boys. So, Jimmy and Jared, these clues are now for you. He is 23 years of age. Jimmy. A- yes, Jimmy. Uh, Sebastian Hellier. It is not. No. And that does freeze you out as well. Oh, no. Now we're going to get oh, no. Jared. <laughs> <It hurt. laughs> Jared, sit back. Relax. These last clues are for you. A Spanish-born player. A midfielder plays for Manchester City. Oh, Rodri. Bam. There it is. Yes, sir. That is absolutely correct. And it'll get you those two points. It's insane to think that of all the talent that Manchester City has, they only now break their transfer record by buying Rodri. But anyway. that I had to read that like, like I, I can't believe you said that. I was like, you got to be kidding me. That's who did it. Yeah, <laughs> insane. Yeah, but they, they, you know, I mean, credit where credit's due to City. You know, you look at Leroy Sané and and talking about what the transfer value was with with Bayern Munich. I mean, they were about to get, you know, over a hundred million pounds for a player they bought for like forty. Like yeah. City do some weird nefarious nonsense, but they always buy low and sell high. Even How much for, was Mares? Uh, oh gosh, twenty. She was sixty. 40. I thought he was no. like sixty. I think for it was City. Yeah. Ooh, let's let's find out. I don't. I thought it was like forty five. Google that. Was it that <laughs> low? Oh my no, god! I, 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 I'm, yeah. I'm willing to bet some of my points that it's over sixty that they spent. Ooh, on, I like that city spent on them. A new version of oh. the game. Bet your points. Add a wager element. <laughs> you're, you're right. Was, so the article says around sixty million pounds. Sixty million. Damn. There you go. All right. Excuse me. Player number three is an Englishman. Play. Yes, boys. I'm bored now. Harry Maguire. It is not Harry Maguire, no. <laughs> and that does freeze you out. Uh, so, Jared and Jimmy, this uh, this passes on to you. Plays as a winger. He is only 16 years of age. Signed for Liverpool. First name is Harvey. Oh, Jimmy. Yes, Jimmy. Harvey Elliott. Bam, there it is, sir. Yes, Harvey Elliott, that is absolutely correct, and I'll get you those two points. The guy who fashions a top knot and makes fun of Harry Kane. Good times, right? (laughs) Yes. I mean, hell, so do I. It's fine. (laughs) None of this is being edited. Jared, this is all going in. Jared does his top knot's incredible. (laughs) Thanks, buddy. Uh, Player number four, featured in the last Africa Cup of Nations, is a striker. Used to play for Lille 
boys. Yes, boys. Pepe. Yes, that is absolutely correct. Hey, that is. Hey, I knew it was something. He was in there. He found it. Uh, the other clues for that one. Courses Club, 75 million. First name is Nicholas. Uh, Nicholas Pepe. Boys, I've got to ask you, uh, not just Pepe, but Arsenal's transfer window. That was, it was pretty good, huh? Yeah, it's weird to go into a transfer window and be like, Arsenal need XYZ, and then to come out with all of those players. Uh, even, yeah. I think, David Luiz, I, for a last-minute sort of stopgap measure, I think is is great. And if you looked at Chelsea's defense today, you might think, hmm, I wonder who they could use to distribute the ball out of the back and actually <laughs> make them better defensively. And you might have thought, David Luiz, too bad he plays for Arsenal now. Um no, I mean, it, it, Arsenal's desperate needs were a, a player in midfield to replace Aaron Ramsey, a player on the wing with pace and power to be able to score some goals above and beyond Obama Yang and Lacazette and actually be a natural winger and a defender. And I, you look at Saliba for years to come, I think that's a really shrewd deal. I, I think... You know, Martinelli actually made it into the match today. I, I think it's a pretty impressive statement for an 18-year-old. I, I think Don Raul actually has things under control now that Arsene Wenger and even Gazidis aren't just out there unilaterally wish-casting ridiculous players like Lucas <laughs> Perez on the last day of the season. So Okay, yeah, exciting times uh, indeed on that respect. All right, guys, this is the last player of the game. Uh, he's just 20 years old is an attacking midfielder used to play Jimmy. yes Jimmy is it Pulisic it is yeah nice wow. work on that yeah, wow what wow. a pull there nice work bud will get you those two points the other clues on this one used to play for Borussia Dortmund uh, now plays for a London club and is an American international so Jimmy what are your thoughts on Christian Pulisic's uh, move to Chelsea there um I, as an American fan, I'm I'm extremely happy for him. Um, I will say, watching the game today, gosh, it's going to be painful anytime he comes on because like the cameras are constantly on him. Like the, for like 20 minutes, I couldn't watch Chelsea versus Man United this uh, today. It was, what's Christian Pulisic doing? Did you see him make a run? Look at he touched the ball. <laughs> so it, it was it was exhausting in that sense. But like I, I think that it, it could be really good for him. Um, hopefully he gets game time. You know he didn't start today. Um, you know, I think Mason Mount probably started in a spot that might be more traditionally where he'd like to play, but um, I think that'll be good. He's just not Eden Hazard, so I, you know, the money they spent on him is is kind of extreme. You know, sure. you're selling jerseys at that point. Yeah, I agree with Jimmy, but boy, from a personal, I think Boyce is going to echo this from just a personal affiliation standpoint. The idea of a brand new generation of Chelsea America fans just makes me want to jump off a bridge yeah, yeah they're they're already awful it doesn't like their london fan base is awful their american oh fan my god i'm just like uh i loved all the bvb stuff in america that's great that's awesome you know for buddhist league but god chelsea in america the cia crap if you're listening i'm talking to you <laughs> <laughs> Oh, our good friends over at London in Blue. I'm I'm so sorry, but anyway, uh, London in Blue. I'm coming after you, <laughs> <laughs> um, guys. That is the game, and let me go ahead and announce the final scores of this one. Uh, Jimmy, sir, you came away with six points. Boyce came away with seven. But Jared, sir, congratulations! You took nine points and the first win of season three. How do you feel? 
I tell you what, boys, what do you have to say, buddy? Don't worry, I'll say it for you. Uh, one match, three points. All right, let's it's, go. We're on our begun. way. It's begun. This is this is the start of a an exciting and amazing journey of uh, many wins to come, right, Jared? I'll I'll, I'll foul it up. Don't worry. Spursy is <laughs> still a thing. <laughs> uh, boys, uh, commiserations. Very close there, but uh, the future may be bright for Arsenal and yourself as a contestant. It's true. Uh, you, you caught me off guard with a few of those early questions. I thought that the, the flat forehead of Harry Maguire might might enter into the parlance, and it didn't work. But it's okay. I'm I'm happy to seed. I'm just up in the degree of difficulty after two straight, uh, you know, winning campaigns. Sure. I figured I might like yeah. allow Jared to have the first one this time around, and and, and see see how it feels for him, and see see how he goes. Maybe he'll improve in form. The taste Are of those victory. laurels comfortable, boys. Oh, that's great, buddy. Oh, <laughs> Uh, and Jimmy's uh, commiserations only coming away with six points. But thank you, sir, once again for jumping on our contest. And why don't you go and tell us a little bit about uh, your guys' podcast, uh, The Rooster and the Devil? Uh, yeah, so it's uh, um, there's three of us. Two of, uh, two of us are Spurs fans. Um, and then myself, obviously. Uh, I love United. It's um, We're three friends. We went to college together. Um, it was something that we... Well, we live all across the country now, and we found ourselves getting on once a week and, and having a chat, and ended up, you know, talking for an hour about soccer. So, it's kind of what we've turned the podcast into, and um, we record every Tuesday night. The podcast comes out every Wednesday. Um, it's always a lot of fun. Um, we don't take ourselves too seriously, and uh, and yeah, we've uh, we're we're excited, obviously, for for football to be back. It's uh it's like Christmas now. <laughs> seasons come early but that is uh, I think we can all echo that statement for sure so uh, no thanks again Jimmy we really do appreciate it and uh, we'll have you back on again at some point for sure um, now before we go I do have to announce the winners of our coaster contest and uh, drumroll please those winners are from Twitter Alex Sanchez at Ya Boy Graf I think I said that right <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Alexis Sanchez, what? Yes. Yeah, I'm sending Did one to him. Did boys create a new Twitter <laughs> account to win? Uh, I'm maybe. Don't get me wrong. I love that we grifted him onto United and they paid him 500,000 oh, pounds man. a week. That was amazing. Love it. Uh, anyway, so <laughs> Alex Sanchez is one of them. Uh, Finley at Finley 02861940. That's not a joke. Um, but Finley, he won one. And Jay Siegley at JD Siegley, he also won one as well. So I'll be reaching out to you guys to get some contact information so I can send those over to you. But guys, that does wrap up our Premier League, uh, Premier League, our season three premiere episode. There we go. Thanks as always to my guest, Jared Bustamante, Boyce Richardson, and to our first time guest, Mr. Jimmy Khan. Don't forget to check out our social media avenues at Kick Corner Flag on Twitter, at Kick Corner Flag on Instagram, and our Facebook page and website, kickflag.com. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next week.